Bernard Arnault sits at number two on the Forbes billionaires list and has a net worth of $189 billion. Arnault's net worth has really shot up over the past two years. In March of 2018, the billionaire had a net worth of $72 billion. Then in April of 2020, he had $76 billion. And yes, that's still an insane amount of money, but it seems small in comparison to his current $189 billion fortune. So how did this guy double his money in a year? How did he beat some of the greatest tech giants of all time, like Elon Musk, Bill Gates, and Mark Zuckerberg? Well, we're here to tell you all about Bernard Arnault's life and how he became one of the richest men in the world. Bernard Arnault is the CEO of LVMH, a French corporation specializing in luxury goods and he owns 46% of the company. Through LVMH, Arnaud runs a luxury empire of 70 brands, including Louis Vuitton, Sephora, Christian Dior, Givenchy, and Marc Jacobs. In addition to that, LVMH also controls several wine and spirits brands. During the COVID-19 pandemic, LVMH and Bernard Arnault prospered more than ever. In fact, it was one of Arnault's most successful periods. Like we were mentioning earlier, his net worth increased by an astonishing $110 billion over the course of just 14 months. Despite the pandemic, LVMH had a global sales boom, which shot Arnaud to the top of the billionaire's list. In the first quarter of 2021, revenue at LVMH's fashion and leather goods unit increased by 52% from the same period in 2020 before COVID-19 was declared a global pandemic. The watches and jewelry division sales also rose by 138%. Professional start. So how did this mega billionaire get to where he is today? Well, Arnaud had always been an entrepreneur. In 1971, he graduated from a French engineering school and started to work for his father's company. His father owned a civil engineering company and three years after Arnaud began working there, Arnaud had convinced his father to shift the company's focus to real estate. His father followed Bernard's instincts and the company turned to real estate. Arnaud was the president of his father's company from 1978 to 1984. In 1984, Bernard was a young real estate developer, but heard news that the French government needed someone to take over a large textile and retail conglomerate. With a little help and $15 million made from his father's company, he raised $80 million and bought the bankrupt luxury goods company. Once he bought the company, he soon acquired the nickname The Terminator because he laid off 9,000 workers in two years. Then he sold almost all of the company's assets, keeping only the Christian Dior brand along with one other department store. Acquisition of LVMH Then in 1987, the Louis Vuitton president and LVMH company chairman, Henry Rackamir, invited Arnaud to invest in the company. Arnaud bought enough shares that he became LVMH's largest shareholder. Arnaud and Rackamere began to have differing opinions on how the company should be run. So in 1989, Arnaud spent another $500 million to gain control of a total of 43.5% of LVMH's shares and 35% of its voting rights. This allowed Bernard Arnault to have the blocking minority, and he stripped Rackamere of his power and ousted him from the board of directors. Later that year, Bernard Arnault was unanimously voted to be chairman of the executive management board. The growth of LVMH. After Arnault took over, the company began to transform into one of the largest luxury groups in the world. 
The annual sales and profit grew exponentially. LVMH went on to acquire many luxury goods stores, including Marc Jacobs, Fendi, DKNY, and Sephora. In January of 2021, LVMH acquired American jeweler Tiffany & Company for $15.8 billion, which is the biggest luxury brand acquisition ever. In addition to that, LVMH spent $3.2 billion in 2019 for luxury yacht company and the high-end hotel brand Belmond, which owns and manages 46 hotels, trains, and river cruises. Bernard Arnault is constantly working on LVMH and looking for ways to grow and expand. In fact, every Saturday, he visits as many as 25 stores, both his own and those of competitors, and is always looking for ways to improve. Arnault has also made investments in Boo.com, Netflix, and he's even entered the yacht business with his investment in Princess Yachts and Royal Van Lint. He's married to his second wife, Elaine Mercier, a Canadian concert pianist, and they've had three children together. Arnaud also had two children from his first marriage. Four of his five children have leadership positions in brands controlled by Arnaud. Make sure that you give this video a thumbs up and subscribe and click the bell so you're notified when we post a new video. Also, make sure that you share this video with a friend because it really does help out the video and we appreciate it. Thanks so much for watching and we'll see you next time. Very competitive. I always want to win. The success of uh, my group is based on a combination of creativity and organization. Today, Louis Vuitton is by far the largest and number one luxury brand in the world. Every competitor is trying to imitate. I think they are not successful, but they try. <laughs>
to put together so many brands. You know the brands. It's Givenchy, it's Fendi, it's even Thomas Pink, Sephora. Sephora, he uh, again was completely ahead of the game. I remember when it first opened and everyone said he was crazy and it was never going to work. He recognized that there would be a taste for luxury goods and frankly an ability to pay for them. Bernard Arnault is the architect that brought them all together under one house. And it was a success. It is a recognized success. <laughs> when I was a child, I was always uh, trying to have fun. I was always, uh, what we say in French, uh, dissipé uh, in school. Uh, even if I was not bad at school, but I, I like fun. When I was young, I was living uh, by my grandmother because my grandfather died in 1959. And, and I saw my grandmother very sad. And so I said one day to my father and my mother, okay, I cannot leave her alone because I liked her a lot, so I'm going to live with her. And I went on the other side of the street, so it's not very far. And, and she was uh, extremely, extremely helpful. I met him back in 1979 in Lille, in the north of France. He had recently joined his father's company, and I was still studying. I was in my last year of college, and I interned with him, actually with his father and him. Both were at the company at that time. My grandfather founded a company uh, in the north of France. Then my father ran the company and I was always in contact with them. I was always very interested and I never thought of doing anything else. He started out as a civil engineer. He worked for his family's construction company. And my father was really exceptional because he, gave, he always gave me the sense of business. And when I arrived in the business with him, after three years, he told me, say, guy, I think you are able to, to run the business, so let's do it. <laughs> and he gave, gave me the key. I was 25, uh, and, and I was running, it was a small business, only 1,000 people. Uh, but, uh, you know, it was risky for him because it's a business he built over his... Uh, entire life. By his mid-twenties, he was making some pretty big changes. He wanted to move out of construction and manufacturing and into real estate. And he was getting ready to uh, invest in, in America, which was very unusual for a small real estate development company in, in France. France was very conservative at that time, but you didn't do that, especially at his age. He was still in his twenties. And uh, it was very unusual for somebody of his age to take those types of decisions. When we grew up, he was actually not in luxury, he was in real estate. Um, it was really something incredible to witness, to see this, uh, this incredible ascension. He started looking for gems, for things that were undervalued, even outside of what his company had done previously. I was uh, looking at several ideas and I hit uh, Christian Dior and immediately uh, I, I thought this brand has a lot of potential. It is under-evaluated. Uh, it is uh, small compared to what I thought the world was going to become. And so I moved to buy it. Dior was a jolly madame house, you know, that nice French ladies wore to lunch. And it was not, 
in any way creating fashion, making fashion. There was no excitement around it. It was very staid and very safe. He's an extremely creative French entrepreneur who built the largest and best luxury brand in the world. He was a complete visionary. Uh, he saw things that nobody else saw. He saw uh, the increase of wealth in the world. We tried to build a large business with our partners uh, with one criteria, the best quality and the most elitist product in every line that we are selling throughout the world. It was a risky move at the time because it was much bigger than the company of my father. But uh, starting from that, we built a uh, LVMH today. Bernard Arnault is the most talked about man in the fashion world today. Dior itself does over one billion dollars a year. He does wonders with mergers and acquisitions. When I was 10 or 11 years old, I understood that something was going on. You know, when you start seeing your, your father's face on TV and in the newspapers, when you also have people uh, of 11 or 12 years old speaking to you about uh, your own father, saying, oh, I hear he's incredible and a genius. So it, that's how it happens, actually. And so quite early on, we understood that something was going on. If there is something he wants you to be aware of, he doesn't beat around the bushes. He'll be very, very straightforward. He invested in an unbelievable way, and the numbers came back the way he expected. working in the morning, I always think I will have fun today with this or this. I remember him telling me one day that 90% uh, of his time was actually you know, meetings that were not that interesting. He said the other 10% are absolutely fascinating. And then you, know, you speak to Karl Lagerfeld or you'll spend an hour with Frank Gehry. These are the ones that you must enjoy, but the other ones are important and necessary too. I am never bored. It's what I have in mind. When I think of myself young, it, it's fun. You know? And I am very competitive. So it's like in tennis. I always want to win, you know? and that's fun. He and I share a great admiration for a tennis player called Roger Federer. And I think the happiest that I have ever seen Bernard was when his children secretly arranging for Bernard to have a match with Roger. And I, I swear, he showed me the video, he acted it out stroke by stroke. And then just last week, he was telling me about a more recent uh, game that they had had. And at the end of the fifth game, it was 5-0, uh, Roger said, well, I'm gonna play now the way I would in a, a Grand Slam. He stepped it up, and all Bernard could talk to me about was the fact that he'd actually won one point. I have been lucky, I must say, to have fantastic children. They are 
all of them interested by uh, the, 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 the family business. So when I was 17, he gave me a pair of shoes, of Berluti shoes. They were the most incredible and beautiful shoes that I had ever seen. Um, but yes, they gave me a sense of what this business was, uh, of the rarity and, and the beauty of it all, but also it gave me a sense of responsibility. Like I, Indeed, at that time, I kind of understood, okay, this is going to be the business that I'm going to be in. I'm very, very impressed with his relationship with his children. He's just it's so attentive. Family is really uh, all important to him. And he really makes the time. And I find that that is something that people miss out. And it takes a very special human being to be able to do that. The family business, especially in, in the luxury area, uh, is key for success. When you are in a family, you have two major advantages. One is you can think long term, like Louis Vuitton, for instance. I'm not that much interested by the number of the next six months. What I am interested in is that the desire for the brand will be the same in 10 years as it is today. The second advantage of being a family business is to hire people. Because when people come to LVMH, they do not come in a group with some anonymity. They come in a family. You are not just a little person in a big thing. You are a member of the family and you will be taken care of as, as such. Many of these luxury houses, many of these luxury companies began as family businesses. Luxury by definition has heritage. It has legacy. And that's what you find in the consistency of a family. To have the empire he has based upon talent and good management skills, but with very creative people who themselves probably think they're the best in the world at what they do, and in many cases they're right. And somehow he's able to get those people to work collaboratively and organize them and work for him, which is saying a lot. He never ceases to surprise me with his risk-taking and his uh, ability to understand how important the creative force is at every house, that without that, you can have the most brilliant CEOs in the world, you can have incredible marketing, you have a brilliant strategy, but without a driving force behind each, each brand, that you have nothing. A lot of people see him as a great financier, great strategic mind in, in terms of uh, how, to, how to build uh, an empire. That's not at all how he thinks. Uh, in my opinion. I think his big strength is actually to uh, speak to creative people and to make them thrive under his management. Uh, it's not to create profit or create uh, more revenue or double the size of the business. I know that's the consequence and that's usually what happens, but his real talent is with creative minds. You know the success of the group is main of the quality of the product. And the quality of the product is a consequence of the extraordinary craftsmen and women that are working with us. We have a large campaign of hiring young people that sometimes are not really thinking of becoming craftsmen or craftswomen. 
But once we have given them the ID and once we train them, we have a rate of success which is near 90%. And it, it's very rewarding for us to see these young uh, people uh, being so proud. He's developed that long tradition of quality and craftsmanship, but, it, but he also adapts and he adapts to the different generations. You could think of Arnaud as a merchant, but he's also thinking of just the tectonic plates and the shifts in the world. I always try to think of what can we bring to a brand if we are looking at buying a brand. What can the brand be, uh, how can it be uh, improved? Also, does it fit with the other brands? Most of the time it is a competitor, but does it fill a niche where uh, we could see we are not very much present? And when that happens, I must say, uh, we, we can move. It takes a certain amount of courage to stand against the tide. There were a lot of naysayers. He was paying full prices for things that weren't close to what other people would want and other people scoffed that he would ever realize value or earn anything from the prices that he was paying. I met him when the Fendi takeover was in the air. There were other people who wanted Fendi too, but when I met him, I said to myself, this one and nobody else. And I was right, he invested in an unbelievable way, and the numbers came back uh, the way he expected. I am close to many of my businesses, uh, but the, the one I have for the longest period of time is Christian Dior, followed by Louis Vuitton. So maybe these are the two I am the closest. He knows what he wants for his brands, uh, he manages to explain it quite clearly, and uh, if the result doesn't correspond to what he wants, well, he will uh, very politely, but uh, uh, quite clearly, uh, throw campaigns away and, and uh, have everybody rework. Well, Ben is a fascinating man. He's reserved, but also very direct and very clear. If there is something he wants you to be aware of, he doesn't beat around the bushes. He'll be very, very straightforward. It's one thing to identify a moment in time and to have your taste and your vision collide with what the world would want at that moment in time. But he's been successful over a lot of moments, over a very long period of time, across the world. I am, uh lucky to have met Steve Jobs you know, at the beginning of the 2000. And we were talking and joking. He told me, you know, uh, Bernard, I don't know if in 50 years my iPhone will still be a success, but I can tell you, I'm sure everybody will still drink your Dom Perignon. <laughs> the question next usually is, who is going to succeed you? <laughs> I wouldn't be giving him his Lifetime Achievement Award yet. I would wait a while longer because I think there's still more chapters.
LVMH Prize is oriented to find the most talented young designer. I think if you look at the success of the LVMH uh, Fashion Prize, which was started by his daughter Delphine a number of years ago, I think he really started that as a, a garden, if you like, to discover new talent. That was a genius idea. You have to apply on the internet. You have to have less than 35 years of age. And you have to have already presented two shows. And we were astonished at the beginning with the number of applicants. And we select 10 among these thousands of applicants. And then uh, the 10 are in fact uh, meeting here with their project. And uh, these projects are submitted to some of the best uh, experienced designers, like Karl Lagerfeld, Nicolas Jesquier. Certainly Delphine and Bernard will ask me what I think, but in the end the decision about who the winners will be are made by a, a team of LVMH designers starting with, with Karl Lagerfeld, so I think they're certainly far more qualified than I would be to, to pick a winner. This year there will be changes because some people left, other people came, because uh, there are many musical chairs in the, in the fashion world, except me. Huh? And it's always very interesting to see uh, these young designers showing their products and defending their ideas, their creative ideas. He's become a great benefactor and philanthropist. And of course, Foundation Louis Vuitton and the museum is just one example of it, just the most famous example at the moment. We started to do uh, some philanthropic work for the group in the beginning of the 90s, and I immediately thought of building something that was more a mark of what the group is doing. And then, uh, at the end of the 90s, beginning of uh, 2000, I met Frank. My first encounter with this museum is he and his wife brought me to the Jardin de Climatation. And when I realized where he was bringing me, it brought tears to my eyes because I felt like Proust was here. A few months later, he sent me a sketch uh, of his first vision. And it's not very different from what it is today. I thought it's extremely creative, and uh, I asked for him to give me more details. So we designed a museum that's uh, solid walls, and then we enclosed that in another envelope of glass. And the glass was not to enclose interior, it was just uh, like sails. And I talked about it like a sailboat, like a regatta of sails. So we started to build and then we had to stop and then to restart building. And all in all, it took me 10 years. Today I looked at it and felt very proud to be part of this place. The foundation was a great gift on behalf of Bernard Arnault and his family to Paris. When you think of uh, cultural institutions in Paris, it's been a long time since a new one was built. And I think it was a shot of vitality in the city of Paris.
he sparks ideas. He says, what if, or, oh, but Franck, what could we do? Could we have a small concert hall? Or, you know, he, he, he says things uh, just very softly, but I know when he says it, he means it, and I go for it, and, and then we have fun trying to make it happen. I can't say how much I love working with him. He's a dreamer. He dreams. Big dreams. And then he has the guts to go after those dreams. Uh, sometimes I try to tell him it's, it's, the dream's too big, but of course he's always right. The dreams are never big enough. He does not compromise on quality. He doesn't compromise on the quality of execution. He doesn't compromise on commitment. And I think that's really a big part of his recipe. They imagine him in his uh, big tower with his huge uh, Excel sheets with, with numbers. It's very, very far from reality. It's not as serious as some might think up there. You know, I try to, to keep calm. Huh? Maybe people around are more nervous than I am. Yes. I try to calm them also. <laughs> in terms of where we are in the life of Bernard Arnault and LVMH, he's got a lot of runway ahead of him and he thinks young and he thinks current. I wouldn't be giving him his Lifetime Achievement Award yet. I would wait a while longer because I think there's still more chapters. He has no interest in standing still. He has no interest in repeating himself. He has no interest in anything remaining the same. He is a man that is intrigued by what can happen, not by what has happened. I admire him. I, I, I like to be with him. I like to be with his family and that's all I can say. He continues to you know, arrive at the office early in the morning, to leave often almost the last one uh, in the evening, and he, he just enjoys it. He, he likes uh, managing people, um, taking decisions, important ones, difficult ones sometimes. Because the question next usually is, who is going to succeed you? <laughs> but uh, the question uh, for me uh, is the best uh, in terms of management capacity uh, will be chosen in the future, not because he is a member of the family, uh, but as I said, the group as a whole is a family, and so we will choose in the family who is the best. Uh, but uh, I think I will be there for some years.